Welcome to M3 Minutes. I'm Haley Wolf, and today we will learn about M3's newest partner, Adra by Trendtech, and chat with Jesse LaJoy, Vice President of Channel Partnerships. Our host today is Shane Middleton, Business Practice Consultant here at M3. Shane works closely with our professional services and product teams, as well as product integration partners to add a practical perspective of a hotel operator in the processes and design of service offerings and product features. This exciting new partnership was launched to help organizations in the hospitality industry streamline the financial close process by automating key components and ensuring better internal controls. As a result of this partnership, M3 will now offer Trendtech's address suite as part of its financial solution portfolio for business process outsourcing. Take it away, Shane. Well, thanks for being here today, Jesse. Uh, how about we get started by you telling us a little bit about yourself yeah. and how you ended up with Trintech? Yeah, thanks, Shane. Uh, certainly appreciate you and, and the M3 team inviting me down and glad to be here. Um, so my name is Jesse LaJoy. I am VP of Channel Partnerships at Trintech. Um, been with the company going on about three and a half years now. A um, little bit of interesting background in the sense that I actually went to school for criminal justice. And somehow here for my entire uh, career, I've been involved in accounting software. Uh, so I had a chance out of college to start a company called Thomson Reuters uh, right before, really right before the recession, uh, back in 2008. Spent some time in support, taking phone calls, you know, uh, 30 times a day from accountants and helping them with income statements and balance sheets and reconciliations and really kind of decided at that point in my career I was going to take that knowledge and all that experience of, of working with CPAs of, of all firms of all sizes and really make that into something. And so I had several roles throughout my time at Thomson Reuters and training and um, sales. And actually, my last role there was an opportunity to start a partnership program, um, at least in that particular part of the business. And it really kind of um, just became something I really loved. I, I enjoy working with partners, and, and that led to an opportunity at Trintech. Um, and here we are three and a half years later and um, focused on all things partnerships. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, criminal justice was something I didn't even know. Yeah. Uh, Love that tidbit. So tell us a little bit about what, who is Trintech? What is Trintech? Uh, what do you guys do? What's your focus? Sure, sure. We help with financial transformation. I mean, that's really the core of, of what we do and what we serve our customers with. And we've got two key products that we go to market with. Uh, one's called Cadency, which is really that that end-to-end financial transformation platform, right? So, you know, typically probably for a little bit larger organizations, if you think the Walmarts of the world, CVSs, you know, the organizations that have offices around the world, um, you know, multiple ERP systems, you know, billions of transactions that they're having to handle on, on a monthly basis. And then we have another solution called Adra, uh, which that is also a, a tool really focused around companies that are just starting to go down that path of financial close automation, um, companies that are really interested in automating things around their balance sheet reconciliations, uh, close management, having actual workflows and processes around that. Um, there is a transaction matching element to that as well to really help automate a lot of that manual, tedious, uh, but necessary uh, work that you know uh, accounting departments go through on a monthly basis. Yeah, and so how many customers do y'all serve in total right now? Yeah, so we're, we're headquartered out of Dallas. Uh, we've got an office in uh, London, in, in Sweden, in Norway. We've got some boots on the ground down in Australia, um, some partners in Japan. And, and all in all, we, we serve right around 4,000 customers, or just under 4,000 customers um, across all of our platforms. You know, our, our Adra platform, for example, I think we're right around the 1,800 mark. Um, so, so really healthy, diverse customer base that we serve across the globe. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, kind of would enjoy a little back and forth here. So I got a couple questions for you, if you don't mind. So, um, you know, one of the reasons customers approach us is to get away from the worksheet based reconciliations. Why should account reconciliations move from that more manual Excel um, process that a lot of companies are in today? Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's several reasons. One, lack of consistency. Uh, you know, you can build all the things that you want to and try to lock them down. But at the end of the day, you're going to find yourself where different teams are in different places. Um, lack of effective visibility into what's actually going on makes it really different. Uh, as you well know, we're in the shared services world. Um, so with M3 Professional Services, when we have, you know, Dozens of different customers, each with, you know, just their own portfolio of properties and different teams doing different things. All of our engagements are customs. It's hard to find a good balance to, to know where you are in the month in close process, to know where you are with tax filings, yep. um, to keep all of that organized. 
but then also you, your accountants spend a lot of more time with busy work than they do actually um, actually engaging in fruitful tasks, things that actually provide value. Um, so the goal is really to get away from all of all of the minutia in in the busy work and having to worry about just getting little tasks done for the sake of getting them done. Um, you know, there's an element of you're always not only walking through a process, but you're always correcting the process along the way. So if you can take that element out, if you can kind of help people from, you know, switching their brain gears, um, less times a day is better. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, so, you know, I always kind of joke when, when you think of Excel, it's, it's almost the equivalent to Androids, right? Gets the job done, but eventually there's going to be that, that it's going to break down, right? There's going to be things where it only goes so far. And, you know, if you're really looking for more of that true automation, you know, typically software is going to get you more, more to what you want to be at. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, th this is something common that we see a lot with our customers, and I'm sure you, you hear the same. You know, how are you finding your customers kind of navigating the landscape of having to do more with less? You know, what are some things that can help in those situations? You know, we know there's staffing challenges in, in the labor market. You know, what are some of the things that you help your customers with in that regard? Yeah, that's a good question. So hospitality accounting is always unique um, in, in several different ways. Uh, one of the pieces for us is you typically see in your large, more enterprise, definitely um, what you would see in your more of your cadency customers. Um, you see a very big trend of breaking the accounting work up. So you may have a revenue department, you may have an expense department, um, you may have a tax team. Uh, in hospitality world, it's very much an ownership type situation. You know, it's very f common and very frequent where one accountant owns that entire set of books from beginning to end. Um, and so where that breaks down is that it reduces your ability to shift tasks around and manage them. Um, so right now, getting more done with less, that's the name of the game that we're in. Yep. We Labor, as we all know, is uh, just crazy right now, and it's a hard thing to maneuver um, while maintaining profit margins. And so getting a product and getting solutions that can help you spread those tasks around in different ways, restructure your process, restructure who's handling what um, so that you're – more highly paid people and your more valuable people and more experienced people are focusing on things worthy of what um, of what they bring to the table. Um, and then your, you know, your greener people that are still coming up and still learning um, get the opportunity to do a lot more, start at that base level and work their way up so they, you know, tackle things in the right order. Um, it's actually a better training model at the end of the day. Um, so it's a little bit of a shift, actually, to the way we've always done hospitality accounting. Um, I think we'll see that over the next couple of years as well. And so um, I, I think I think it's it's definitely a challenge, um, but it's, you know, products like Adra that we're talking about today, of course, um, are a big help to that. Certainly, certainly. So when you think, uh, you know, and, and this is a common issue for a lot of companies, right? But how do you handle when communication breaks down between disparate homegrown solutions, right? You know, some of these older legacy products um, that they've kind of pieced together, you know, how do you handle that with your customers? Yeah, we get a lot of calls. So not only do we do full service accounting in-house for our customers, but we also have um, consulting resources and project teams um, where some of our customers, they may not be professional service customers month to month, um, but they they have issues that they come across. They need help to, from time to time with different projects. They reach out to us. Um, and, it, you know, it's interesting that you, you put an emphasis on the communication part. So often, more often than not, in fact, you see that communication is the key. That somewhere along the way, someone made a decision to do something without having the right communication with the team before doing it. Um, someone thought they were supposed to be doing something and they did something else. And, you know, so what those little homegrown solutions, it makes that challenging because they're so delicate. Usually they're so manual, they're so delicate and it's so time consuming to go back and make repairs, to fix things, to rework the puzzle. Um, so, you know, for us, it's all about 
you know, when I, when I have someone come to me for a project, the first thing I do is make sure that everybody's on the same page. Let's start with a vision. Um, make sure that we have the right vision in place. So we see this a lot with project work and consulting work. Uh, what we find out a lot of times is someone puts something into place without a lot of forethought, um, without the right communication um, between their team, which you you singled out that word communication. That's a good point. Um, that's usually where it breaks down nine, um, nine out of 10 times. And so what I try to get to in the, what I try to get to the bottom of in every consulting or project engagement engagement is a unified vision. So let's make sure that everyone at the table uh, making this decision has a unified vision. Um, we know what resources we need. Um, you know, mentor of mine taught me the complex change model um, along the way years ago, and I really have followed it pretty pretty closely um, in most engagements, just because if you don't start with a unified vision, uh, if you don't start with everybody being on the same page and everybody knowing at the end of the day, this is the result we need and this is what provides value out of this process, out of this project, what have you. Um, that it, The communication is the first thing that's gonna break down. Um, so the, the vision is the biggest thing. Um, I can't, I can't stress it enough, you know, and usually the goal these days, um, is finding the right automation. So if you're using manual methods, the standardization is very hard. Um, it's very hard to ensure. So an automated solution that's used helps you streamline your workflows, streamline your tasks, organize everybody keeps you all on the same page. It helps with that communication piece, probably as one of the biggest pieces of value add as anything. Sure. Makes sense. And I mean, I, I remember when we, we started working together, I mean, you guys had a very clearly defined project plan and, and what the goal of, of everything you were trying to accomplish was. And, you know, I, I know that made a big difference for, for the team. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's key. Um, you know, and a big thing is security. You know, as companies constantly push to complete the closing process in a more timely manner, in a more efficient manner, that whole do more with less uh, mentality that we'd covered earlier. What can they do to help maintain the security of their data? Um, and in an Azure world, you know, what has Azure done to ensure that safety? Sure. I mean, you know, I'll kind of joke, no one's going to mistake me for someone in the IT department, right? I don't think CTO is in my, my future career path, but I, I know enough to be dangerous on this subject. And it, it's something we take very serious with Adra, um, as we should. Um, you know, we are SOC 1, SOC 2, both type 2 certified. Um, we are HIPAA compliant. Uh, we have a multi-tenant um, environment, so you know each of our customers have their own tenant that they're logging into, and, and, and it's their data. Um, you know, one of the things that we, we really pride ourselves on, if, if you were to log into Adra, there's not a single place in that system you're going to see any type of sensitive data options to input. So, for example, you're, you're not going to see anything about social securities. Uh, numbers, you're not going to see bank account number fields. Um, it's not to say that, you know, through attachments that our customers may not get that information in there. Uh, but we actually, even in our own, um, you know, MSA agreements, we, we don't accept that. There's really no reason for that type of data to live there. Um, but, you know, things happen and, and customers sometimes do bring that in. And that's why we also have such stringent security requirements on the back end. Um, you know, from a um, data perspective, you know, all of our data is encrypted in transit and at rest. So, um, it, it's something we take extremely seriously. Yeah, that's great to hear. So, looks like the next question, George, and I started too early, sorry. So when you think about the, the back office chain, what are some of the financial close practices that you see maybe with some of your existing customers or, or you know, from a past life that can hurt um, folks in the back office and, and make that a more difficult process? Yeah, I think a big shift that we've seen um, companies, there was a big shift years ago uh, where companies really started to focus in on the the daily accounting aspect. Um, and there was a certain amount of shift and then it kind of paused. And I think what happened over the last couple of years is people realized how much time they were having to spend doing the work because they were doing so much of it at month end. Yeah. And taking into account what they can actually do over the time of the month before and other than just that month in close process how much of that can we do beforehand 
how much of this depends on things that we can be better about staying on top of daily, weekly, um, cash recs, things of that nature. So that's really important. Um, staying on top of those, you know, your revenue journals, all of your expenses and what you're expecting, knowing what you're expecting, knowing your books more than just what entries you need to make at the end of the month, but knowing what's going on in that entity, um, to be aware of what you can do ahead of time. You know, hiring temp staff to fix issues on the back end is killing people. Um, you know, for the hospitality industry, we were hit really hard when everything shut down and so many properties closed. You know, I know even just one of our customers, I, I know because um, I happen to be on the phone with them, closed, you know, 50, 60 hotels overnight. You know, and that happened across the whole industry. But what that did, the silver lining that allowed us a time as a, as a group to take stock of what we were doing, what we had, what we needed to do, changes that need to be made. Um, and we got through some of it, we got through a lot of it, but then as we ramped back up, we're like, okay, well now's the trial and error for those changes, right? And there's change, further changes that need to be made and further revisions. And so there's been a lot of temp staff hired, not only for that type of work, um, not only to fix issues, but even for um, to fill your normal positions because of the labor position sure. that we're all in. Yep. It is hard to keep, um, you know, staff right now. And so those those labor shortages are killing the back office at the end of the day, whether it's through additional work on payroll or whether it's just additional work because, you know, if your tip staff is in accounting, then obviously that just makes things break down or opens the risk for things to break down more um, as you don't have that sh- – that streamlined, consistent um, continuity of information there. And then, you know, what that, what I, a big problem I've seen that people have struggled with is they've been in such a bind, they've really, at the end of the day, had to sacrifice quality. And so, you know, oh, these accounts or this report is not that important. Don't worry about it. Just issue financials, you know, just send it out. Um, and, you know, there there's certainly a materiality aspect that is preached heavily in our uh, in our realm in our in in the accounting world. But you know, at the end of the day, correctness um, has to take precedent over that. You know, if you're if you're not releasing quality, then you're not really releasing anything of value. So um, that's that's our biggest struggles right now. Um, and a lot of that, you know, I don't want to I don't want to beat one dead horse too much. But you know, labor has a big part to do with that. Sure. Sure. And I, and I know M3 doesn't advocate beating any dead horses. So. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so what are some ways you can gain more control over the close process? And certainly I'm, I'm happy to add some insight into that too, but love to hear your, your, your opinion. Yeah. You know, a big part of it is a big part of it is managing your tasks managing your teams, giving them what they need to do their job with as few stops as possible. Um, also aligning things to where they don't have to shift focus any more than they have to. Um, that's the biggest thing that we have worked on. How can we minimize the amount of times that someone has to click? That's a big software question that we deal with all the time when we deal with software development. Less clicks, less moving from here to there. Um, the same goes for our professional services world. How can we structure things to where our accountants have to shift focus fewer times along the way so that they can stay focused? Because those little moments, it, it only takes a few seconds. But what people don't realize is when they're doing that dozens of times a day, that really adds up. Yep. Um, and just by doing that, we've been able to gain a lot of efficiency and a lot of hours back in our accounting processes. Um, speeding up transaction matching, it's huge. Um, and transaction matching used to mean just bank recs, and it's not anymore. It's employee insurance receivables. It's clearing accounts. It's um, third-party payment providers. You know, transaction matching has has taken such so much more of a front seat to what we do every day. And it used to be done. This kind of goes back to an earlier report, but it used to be done monthly, and you just can't anymore. There's no way you can keep up. Um, and get everything done correctly and in a timely manner if you wait to do it on a monthly basis. Um, so, you know, keeping on top of that transaction matching and also keeping, you know, keeping the repetition out of your balance sheet reconciliation. How many times are you 
going to make this entry and then record the entry over here, scanning back up over here, but also saving it over here. You know, I think a lot of our nature as accountants tends to think always audit, 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 you know, and we, everything we, we do sometimes tends to become, why are we doing this? Well, you know, if we get audited, we've got to have it, you know, but I think we've, we've taken that to the extreme in some cases. And so we've got to step back and think, okay, what's practical, um, what's reasonable, um, and then do what's reasonable and practical and, and then use that other time to do things that are more valuable um, than just saving things for what if you can't live, you know, if we, if we develop everything in our process over what if, um, you know, a lot of that, unfortunately, is wasted time um, that we could be accomplishing other things. Yeah. I mean, is that what you see? Yeah, I think one of the things that always kind of sticks out to me or, or comes to mind is, you know, pre-COVID, you know, accounting teams traditionally are in the office, right, or were in the office. And, and when COVID set in and we were all first forced to go remote, remote um, you know, that was a big shift for a lot of accounting teams. And specifically, and, and I know we'll talk about this a little bit later, but, you know, we have a, a task management uh, solution within ADRA. That's really focused around workflow, checklists, and actually having everything documented in one place and, and who's assigned to what, who's doing what, and those types of things. A lot of our customers, when they first come to us, especially, you know, during COVID when it first set in, they had none of that. They had none of that documented. They didn't have that in place. It was all in someone's head. And that really puts you and your organization at risk. What if that person leaves? What if that person retires? Which, of course, happens. Um, so really taking all of the things that you know inherently in your head and documenting that in one solution that everyone has vis- visibility to, that has all of your steps, any specific directions to, to specific tasks that, that, that need to be followed very precisely, um, that's one big piece of improvement. And we really saw demand go up for that when people and organizations realized, boy, we weren't prepared for this. And, you know, we really need to consider how we want to, uh, you know, approach this moving forward. No, that's good. And I think that's kind of a good segue as well. Um, if you could, I know we're going to kind of get into some specific functionality pieces here in a minute, but uh, maybe just give us a quick overview. You know, what is ADRA? You know, we kind of talked about what is Trintech. Um, we've kind of referenced ADRA along the way. Kind of the focus of our um, partnership really is around that solution. So can you kind of just give us a quick overview? You know, what is ADRA? What is it there for? And what, what are the modules that kind of make it up? Sure, sure. So, you know, at the heart of it, it's a financial close management tool um, really intended to help automate processes around your balance sheet reconciliations. It's a SaaS-based solution um, that's composed of four different modules. And the first one's actually what we were just talking about. So what we call task manager, which is really that workflow component. So it's, it's it critical both from an individual level and a managerial level. So as an individual, you can see all the various tasks that you're assigned to, what your peers are working on, if there are tasks that are dependent on, on other things. You can always see where you're at in that process, right? Um, as a, let's say, controller, CFO, I have the overview across the entire team to see where they're at in the close process, see if there are any bottlenecks, are there anything slowing the team down, are there any areas um, that have room for improvement? And then that ties very closely into what we call balancer. And, and, and balancer, balancer to me is really kind of the, the, the core of the platform, if you will, right? So that is a central depository for all of your balance sheet reconciliations to live in one place. And typically when someone comes to us for the first time, a lot of those recs are, are living in Excel spreadsheets on multiple computers and multiple desktops. And, you know, there, there's really no um, uh, control over the process there. So it's one location that see all of those in one place. It can connect into the ERP in question to pull in the balances. Um, and then that also ties very closely to the third module, which is what we call Matcher. So we kind of referenced that, you know, slightly throughout the, the session this morning. And that is essentially the ability to automate all of the transaction matching. So whether it be organizations that have complex matching needs, um, high volume matching needs, we can set up uh, individual rules for the customer in question that takes into account all of their different sources of data and where those are coming from. And we can automate you know, sometimes 80, all the way up to 95%, typically never 100%. And that's not the intention, right? right. There's always going to be exceptions. There's always going to be things that should not match. Uh, but instead of spending so much time manually going through line by line and matching those, you have more time to actually spend on those exceptions and investigate, you know, what's going on there. And then lastly, kind of sitting over top of all of that's what we call analytics, which is really what it kind of sounds like. It's, it's just a deeper level of reporting and insight across your close process. Yeah. So all of that in mind, you know, what are some ways that 
customers can gain control over their close process with that? I, I honestly, I think the first piece is that task management. It's, it's taking the time to actually document and put in one place what your policies are, what your controls are, what's assigned to who, what's expected of who, um, until you actually put that structure around what the close should look like and, and, and what the time it should take to do task A to task B to task C. Until that happens, it's going to be really, really hard to kind of get automation around that process. Yeah. That, that to me is just that natural starting place to, to really actually understand what you want it to look like. Um, going back to what you talked about a few questions earlier, until you actually have that, that outline and that vision for what you want it to be and actually put it somewhere, in this case in Task Manager, the rest is going to be very difficult. Yeah, I, I, and I completely agree. You know, we'll get into it in a little bit, but um, there's there's pieces of just documenting those processes and how things should be done. And for us, to, to an earlier point, you know, we have all these different customers with their portfolio of properties that they're all custom engagements. You know, um, I don't want to I don't want to jump too far ahead, but you know, having that place where no matter what happens, and especially with the high turnover that um, many people are experiencing, having that place where it makes it easier for someone else to come in, take over, and forge forward is is so important. Um, so. How does Adra benefit customers with its high performance processes? Sure. So, you know, I would say on average, when, when, when a customer first comes to us, they're anywhere probably between 15 and 20 days on average for their close on a month to month basis. Um, if they're leveraging and implementing the full suite that we just kind of talked through, we traditionally will see about five to six days alone cut off that. And, you know, especially in the case of transaction matching, that is such a tedious, long process, depending on your situation, especially if it's high volume. Um, so we see hours and hours and hours alone just on that part of it cut off. Um, not to mention everything that we just talked about in terms of documenting and actually knowing what everyone's working on and when they're working on it. Um, and then just having that central location for all of your recs in one place. Um, that alone, I mean, if you think about low risk uh, reconciliations, maybe things that are typically zero balance or don't change from month to month, those aren't reconciliations you need to spend time in, right? We can automate the certification and approval of those recs. Now, of course, if something does change, if a balance pulls in there that you weren't expecting, we will flag that. So it's not just gonna you know, automatically certify to the next month without you know, that the checks and balances there. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, typically around five to six days at a minimum, we, we see shaving off that close. And when you think of the tactical nature of the work that goes into the close, sure, that is now work that's being shifted for your employees to be more strategic. Because I really view the Office of Finance as it should be more of that strategic partner internally to the rest of their organization, right? Absolutely. Instead of just reporting and just providing the numbers for, for the, the monthly or quarterly reports, helping guide the business on, on critical decisions, that's really hard to get to until the team gets out of more of those tactical, necessary uh, processes that, that you know kind of correlate to the monthly close. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that too, because I know a big question that's come up over the past couple of years is, what is the ROI on a cost center? Yeah. You know, um, and that really has come, a, come up around accounting departments. Yep. Um, accounting departments have always been one of those necessity um, call centers, but you know, really the discussion has increased a lot over what the ROI actually is on that. And are you getting the investment, the return on that investment? Because that's, it, it, there is a return there. Yep. And when you're able to make those more strategic, um, projects work within that team and get them away from all of the busy work, yep. um, that's when you're able to realize that. So we talked a little bit about, you know, or I mentioned that having that platform, having task manager set up the way it is, um, really helps with someone just being able to step in and pick up the torch. Um, to that end, you know, how can using Adra, um, either in that way or other ways, how can using Adra help in, in this time right now that we're in, you know, that we're calling the great resignation? Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult, right? Obviously, the labor market, it's tough to find employees. It's, it's tough to find them at salaries that, you know, traditionally people were believed to, you know, kind of earn in, in specific roles. And, um, you know, address specifically, part of it is what we've talked about, right, is, is having all of that documented in one place. So if someone does leave, which, you know, inevitably people will, um, you're not starting over. That knowledge is not walking out the door with that person. 
but I think in general, and this isn't just specific to Adro, right? This is technology as a whole. You know, y- your platform, our platform, other platforms. If you don't have a technology strategy, you're really going to put a burden on your employees, right? You're really going to put them in a place where they're having to come up with their own processes, their own ways of getting things done. Um, it's just an expectation. Uh, you know, I remember when I first came to Trintech, I was I was honestly overwhelmed at just how much internal technology that we leveraged. Uh, you know, three and a half years later now, I, I couldn't imagine being without these tools. Um, you know, they are critical in my day-to-day job, and most employees have that expectation. So um, it, it's certainly a recruitment, um, you know, opportunity, and, and, or should say benefit, as you're trying to onboard new employees or recruit new employees to be able to show them the tools that you have available. But also it's going to help with employee satisfaction um, because if they're frustrated because they don't have that type of automation in their job, that's going to be one of the first pieces that kind of propels them to possibly start looking elsewhere. I mean, is that something you're seeing with your customers? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you hit a big you hit a big point there. You said having a technology strategy is so important. And, um, you know, our partners meeting is coming up this June um, in Florida, which I know you guys are going to be at. Um, that's one of our sessions that we're talking on is trending technology, you know, when should you should you be trendy or should you be strategic you yep. know and um that's a session i know i'm excited to hear uh, so i'm glad you really made that point um to hit home with that i think the only other thing i'd add there you know that i didn't mention is with that staffing difficulty in terms of finding people if you can't find people technology is going to help you there too right going back to what we talked about earlier with doing more with less um it's going to help you get through some of those processes with less people if that's the situation you find yourself in so yeah. it just really depends on where you are as an organization, but you have to have a technology strategy one way or another. Yeah. So what are some of the main challenges you see when hotel owners or managers come to M3 um, and Trintech, which I can certainly add to, looking for business process outsourcing? Yeah, it's usually, I would say it's a couple of different buckets of situations. You know, one is transformation. So there's a either a large acquisition they're going through or there's a big transformation in how their corporate structure is aligned. Um, and what they've always done, they've, they've come to the point where they've recognized that what they've always done does not fit into the new model that they're moving forward with. Um, so we get approached about that, you know, okay, maybe we should outsource. Maybe this is a function that someone can streamline for us. Um, the biggest challenge is, uh, I think the biggest challenge is people will just assume for years that outsourcing means cheaper. Um, you know, I think there's a stigma around, you know, business process outsourcing that, you know, if you outsource, you're going to get a less quality maybe but maybe we can sacrifice that if it's a lot if it's a lot cheaper, yeah. and so it's worth it. Um, and and that's really not the case at all. You know, that's that's really the wrong mindset. Um, you know, us us as a BPO um, outlet, you know, the value comes in having experts who have seen this type of work in a thousand different situations and from a hundred different angles um, to be able to come up with a solution that fits for you and your organization, knowing all of the options that are on the table. You know, we really tend to, in our daily lives, when we just live in one organization, we tend to get really ingrained in how that organization operates. And you step outside that box and you're like, is there another way? Well, I don't really know. We've always done it this way. And sometimes it's hard to, and especially in the accounting world, um, you know, uh, accountants, we kind of carry that stigma of not really wanting a whole lot of change. you know, and liking to stick with what we've always done. I mean, they even teach it to you and getting an accounting degree, they teach you, you know, consistency. And yep. if you get stuck, what did you do last year? You know, and so it's almost kind of really nurtured in, in our being. But um, it's it's really crucial with outsourcing. You have all those options that you have uh, people that have done it a hundred different ways that can help you get creative. Um, from a staffing standpoint right now, that's been a big thing for us. You know, that's been part of that big value add for us over the past year um, or two has been, you know, people don't want to deal with the labor issues and they have 
you know, a thousand other details to worry about in their day. The last thing they need to worry about is new accountants coming on board yep. and then leaving three months later over and over and over and over. So we help them take care of that. Um, you know, we're built to scale and we handle all that turnover on their behalf. And the goal is for that to be seamless for them. So all they get is good quality results at the end of the day. Yep. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So, Jesse, of course, I see day-to-day the benefits of ADRA for us and um, some of our customers. But can you let our listeners in on what the results are of implementing ADRA for their portfolio? What What's the end goal that they should expect? Yeah, you know, I, I think we've touched on it a little bit, right? And it, and it's going to depend from customer to customer because it is a SaaS-based solution. So not all customers leverage all four modules that we talked about earlier. So they might piecemeal it. There might be, you know, the balancer with the reconciliation piece might be the most important aspect for certain customers versus some that have the high volume. Um, the benefits really about where you're at in your journey, right? And, and some are just beginning down that automation path. Some have used similar tools in the past and already know the value. Um, to me, it's just having that one central platform that can manage all of your tasks, manage all of your reconciliations, and take away what previously is traditionally hours upon hours of transaction matching at a manual uh, level and automate all of that. So, um, you know, like we talked about, anywhere from five to six, possibly even more days closed off or cut off from your clothes on a monthly basis. I mean, think about all of those hours that, you know, depending on how many staff you have that are now spent on other things, you know, like we said, instead of being tactical, you're now be able to get to more of a strategic uh, mindset with your team. And that also opens up career growth opportunities, right? Where employees can now spend time on other things that they want to or have had interest in. um, And it it puts them in a good position to kind of uh, propel their careers down the road. Yeah, I mean, definitely professional development's a big, you know, buzz topic right now. And how do we allow, how do we get more professional development opportunities for our employees? Um, you know, you mentioned five, six days back to their month. You know, I'm thinking that's a lot of good golf days. <laughs> that is a lot of good golf days. <laughs> so, what do you see really drives the ROI for hoteliers um, that use your products? Yeah, ROI is always you know interesting, right? And, and yeah. it's it's, it's, it's going to shift from customer to customer, of course. And it depends on how many people you have, you know, how many hours you're spending on on certain things. But I think it really plays into what we just talked about, right? It's it's getting you know we, we have a customer here, they were spending over I, I want to say between eighty to one hundred and twenty hours a month on transaction matching alone. And we took that down to three, three or four hours. Wow! Um, I might be misquoting that just a little bit, but it was certainly you know close to that range. That's significant time. That's significant ROI. Um, that's not to mention all the other pieces that we've talked about in terms of documenting and, and having all of their processes in one place. So um, the, the ROI certainly varies, but again, you're having everything in one platform. You're gaining hours back, so that team can focus on other things. Um, and and put themselves in a position to really focus or, or shift to, to other things that might be of interest to their careers. Yeah, absolutely. So that being said, what does that implementation process look like? You know, um, I know for us, you know, we deal with it on different levels. Changing your your ERP is a massive undertaking for an organization, um, especially your larger enterprise ones. Um, and I'm sure you see that, you know, they may not be changing their ERP with you guys, but they're changing the way that they do all of their work. Yep. Um, what does that process look like? Yeah, no, it's a good question. So, you know, I'm going to answer this from the standpoint if it was the entire platform, right? And, and certainly it'll be less than what I'm about to say if it, if it was not. But, um, you know, on average, we see a full platform implementation take around 60 to 80 hours, somewhere in that range. And, and, and there are exceptions, right? Some that go longer based on complexity. Um you know, and that's typically spread out over multiple months. And, and the reason for that is, you know, two weeks for the most part every month, you know, those accounting teams are head down and close and they can't focus on implementation. So, you know, there is that that finite period of each month that we have access to the team to help them with the implementation. But purely just from an hours perspective, it's typically in that 60 to 80 range, which when you really consider the impact and the benefit that that's really not that that long of a process. Um, and, and that's something we really pride ourselves on. We want it to be, you know, all things considered from an implementation perspective, a very smooth, easy, easy process for our customers. And we don't want this to be a six, 
nine month project that, that they have to, to go through. Yeah. I think that's important as well. Cause you know, you're doing it to save time yep. at, at the end of the day. That's what you're trying to do is, is get back time on your schedule. So the last thing you want to do is have to turn your place upside down for eight months yep. just to put it in place. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask as we can, I know, I know I'm going to have some answer to this too, but I'd, I'd like to get your input. Why is it so important um, that M3 and Trintech come together? Sure. Um, you know, our our path was a little bit random in the early days, um, but, you know, what made it successful for you guys? Yeah, so I'm going to take a maybe a different route in this answer, right? We, we've talked about Adra, you know, some of the functionality and benefits there, and I, I know your customers are, are certainly familiar with, with, with your products and, and what they get there. So all that aside, I mean, the big thing to me, it's kind of twofold, right? Um, you know, customers today expect their technology partners to be innovative and to find other technology partners and work together, right? You know, the, the days of being standalone technology providers and not having integrations into other key complementary products, those days are over, right? You know, yeah. you always think of Apple. Honestly, Apple is a good example to me in this regard where they have an ecosystem of solutions that all seamlessly work together. And that's what customers expect today from their platforms and their partners that they work with. Um, so I think that's one one part of it, right? And I think just specifically between Trintech and, and M3, there's just a lot of really good cultural alignment in terms of how you think about your customers, how we think about our customers. Every decision we make, and I know it's the same for, for M3, is really about the customer and what that experience is going to be, how we can help them, how we can serve them. And I know in my role, you know, you know, taking or leading channel partners at, at Trintech, when I'm looking for new tech partners, that's the number one thing that we focus on first. Technology aside, we can figure that part out. But how do you go to market with your customers? How do you serve them? Um, what's your philosophy around that experience? That's critical to me, and, and I know you guys feel the same way. Yeah, I have to completely echo that. You know, for me, I think our decision point at the end of the day was. Um, you know, as you all know, we looked at a couple of different solutions and, you know, for us at the end of the day, it was the fact that you guys saw our vision and had such a passion behind that same vision for us. Um, and we knew, you know, there's always a risk when you dive into something new, you know, does, is it going to be as good as we, as it looks like it is? And, um, for us, it has far exceeded our expectations. Um, so I have the best thing to say about that, but it really was about that cultural alignment for us, I think for a about knowing that we have true partners that can work with us. Um, you know, knowing that at the end of the day, and this is something that we've always strived for here at M3, um, is, you know, at the end of the day, if something does go wrong, you have someone to call and you have a path to get to a resolution. Um, that's a big thing for us. And that's a big thing for us when we look for a partner, you know, at the end of the day, something's going to go wrong at some point, you know, we all like to tout how great our technology is, all of us out there. But um, at the end of the day, something is going to go wrong at some point. And it's about how, um, about how you're engaged with your customers and how you're there as a partner. You've got to be, you know, a successful partnership. You've got to be willing to win together, but also fail together. Yep. Um, And I think we really have that great. And, uh, you know, the best thing, I think we started off our whole, I guess, company relationship out on a really good step i know um when we reached out it wasn't all right let's get you a sales demo let's you know get 10 people together it was like all right let's just have a conversation um about what you're trying to accomplish and go from there and that was super important um to really find out the, the why and the vision behind it before we really took too many steps um so, yeah, I've, I've got to echo the same thing. Yeah, you're, you're spot on, right? There, there is no perfect te- technology. Anyone that, that tells you that, they're, you know, they're, they're fibbing, right? Um, there's going to be bumps with, with any technology project. Um, but I think the thing that we try to do a good job at Trintech is, frankly, just be enjoyable people, right? That, go- right? that goes a long way. You want to work with people you like, assuming the technology does the things that you need it to do. That, that obviously is a, a baseline requirement. But, sure. um, you know, we, we just want to be people that people want to work with, and, and we want to work with people in the same vein. Yeah, absolutely. Do we need to pause to restart a camera or anything? No. No, I got it. I'm getting it in between you. Okay. So this, okay, this is Three slots to go. Okay. 
you know, so Shane, we've been talking about the partnership and how it kind of came together. You know, what, what are some of the um, the benefits or the immediate impacts that you've seen from that with the, with the team? Yeah, um, wow. So we decided to make a change and dedicate um, one of one of our associates to really spearhead this project. Um, it was something that we've needed for a long time. We've wanted for a long time. You know. As everybody knows in the world of making things better and changing the way things are done, uh, you've got to set a priority list. And um, there always seem, seem to be a different um, a different scenario that made us change priorities. And for us, it was like, okay, let's put our heads down and let's get this done. So we set aside one person to really champion this implementation for us. Um, the big thing, number one big thing that we got out of it it really forced us to go through every aspect of what our accountants go through on a daily basis. Yep. Um, me, I spent years closing books doing accounting. Um, Carolyn Hollum is our EVP of professional services. Same thing. She spent years doing accounting and finance day to day. Um, but she's been out of it longer than I have, and I've been out of it long enough. You do lose sight of what that impact is of certain tasks um, and what you've, you know, and things have changed. I've only been out of that game about three years, but, you know, things have changed even to a certain degree that, and there's things that they're worrying about today that we didn't worry about three years ago. Um, so it really forced us to take stock of what we're asking our teams to do, yeah. what we're asking our people to be responsible for. Um, that's the biggest thing. It created a lot of awareness. Um, the second thing is, you know, taking that, documenting that, and getting organized uniformly you know, the challenge with BPO, with shared services, is being uniform while also s satisfying all of your custom engagements. Yeah. Um, it's such a challenge. And there's absolutely no clean manual way to do it. Um, you know, it's 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 not do you manual manually do it or do you pay for automation? It's not even the question because there is no manual way to do it. Yeah. Um, it can't be done. And so... You know, automation was our option, was our only option. It was the only option we wanted to pursue. And so um, just being able to organize what our different team, where our different teams are, um, making, it gave us better visibility. You know, one of the things you do in shared services is you balance your teams out. You can't put your 10 strongest players on one team and your 10 weakest players on another team. Right. You know, you've got to be able to spread those people out. You've got to be able to utilize your resources and get the right mix of little mini teams within your department. Um, that allowed us to do that. It allowed us to see where everybody's strengths were, who complements who. Do we need to shift people around? And we've done some of that. And uh, things that we wouldn't have seen with, until we kind of went through this and started implementing and started training. Um, it's been it's been really eye opening. Um, so you guys are actually one of our featured sponsors we at are. our partners meeting. We mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Um, in June, I'm looking forward to St. Pete Beach. Oh, absolutely. A little bit of Florida sun in June. Uh, can you give us a sneak peek, a little bit about what you guys are going to be uh, there for and covering and. Sure, sure. I mean, we're, we're certainly just excited to be there. We're excited to be there and support the M3 team and, and all of your customers. Um, we've got a couple sessions. Um, we're going to do a little bit more of a deep dive into some of the things that we've talked about at a high level here um, in this. So really just kind of spend some time through the reconciliation and some of the trends that we're seeing in the market across um, different industries and how that impacts, you know, different companies in different ways. So just a little bit more of a sneak peek behind the curtain, um, but we're, we're looking forward to it. Yeah. We're looking forward to it as well. I'm glad you guys are joining us this year. Oh, we wouldn't miss it. Um, so this is kind of a good lighthearted uh, question to wrap us up, but what are you looking forward to the most in the near future, personally, professionally? Yeah, no, sure. Um, well, I, I'm probably going to have to buy my, my wife a nice gift here by July. Um, <laughs> spending, spending a lot of time on planes here the next few weeks. So, you know, certain, certainly um, down here in Atlanta with you right now. I've, I've been out to San Diego, Denver, got a few more trips, but uh, – you know, before before the the partners event, I'll be in Europe for a few weeks, meeting with some of our, our internal folks there. But honestly, I, I I grew up vacationing just down the road from from where the St. Pete event is. Um, you know, I've, I've never actually had a chance to stay at the Don Cesar. I've been there several times. Um, I, I couldn't be more excited to spend a few days there. Um, I certainly have a couple uh, bars and uh, pizza recommendations for anyone that needs them. But uh, <laughs> no, just just really excited. It's it's good to be back on the road again and get to see people and and feel some level of uh, normalcy again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know this, to part of your point, 
I got on a plane without a mask for the first time this week. Yeah, it's weird. And it was a little bit strange. I I, kind of thought I would have like a big relief and like, oh, it just feels normal, but it was kind of strange. Um, I would say for me, you know, my biggest thing looking forward to professionally, of course, partners meeting, it's it's a big part of what I'm involved in right now. Um, It just on the top of my to-do list. Um, So I'm certainly looking forward to all of those details coming together, seeing everybody again. Uh, It's been three years since we've been together with our customers, which just seems like crazy. Um, But I'm really looking forward to kicking that event off, doing it a whole new way than we've done it before. Uh, We've got the largest attendance we've ever had. um, And we've got some really great um, new partners, just like yourself, um, that we get to share that experience with. I would say personally, I think I'm looking forward. I think I'm looking forward to summer break. Yeah. You know, uh, school these days uh, it just brings on a, a new level of things to worry about. You know, is someone going to get exposed to something and have to quarantine for ten days, or is, you know, whatever happens these days. You know, it's just crazy. Uh, so, school years definitely come with a little more stress for me the, uh, now than they used to. Uh, so I'm looking forward to summer break to where you know every every day is a little more relaxed and a, a few less. Uh, variables to navigate. Sure. sure. But well, listen, I, I certainly appreciate you guys having me on this. Um, you know, we've really enjoyed this partnership here over the course of the last almost. It's we're not too far away from a year in terms of when the first time we we kind of came together. So, um, but yeah, I, I can't wait to be at the partner event, and you know, we look forward to supporting the M3 team and, and all of your customers. Yeah, thanks for coming, Jesse. Appreciate you uh, taking the trip out here yeah. again and joining us, and I uh, look forward to great things to come. All right. Well, thanks, Shane. All right. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of M3 Minutes. We learned all about Adra by Trendtech's offerings and how it can streamline back office processes in the hospitality sector. If you are interested in implementing Adra, please contact sales at m3as.com. And if you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe. Until next time, hoteliers.